0: So this morning, I'm talking about walking by the Spirit. We'll be in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 26. And you guys can't be quiet this morning, alright? You can't be quiet this morning. We need some engagement. I need to hear amens from you, and I need to hear you guys engage this morning. And so we'll jump right in. And... This morning, I want to start us off with a question, and it goes like this. In a world full of choices and desires, how do we, as followers of Jesus, navigate the complexities of our heart's inclinations and the call of God? The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, gives us profound insights into the battle within And points us to a life marked by freedom and fruitfulness. Because in the bustling journey of life, countless voices call for our attention and allegiance. Like, have you seen that? that? Like, you're watching a show sometimes, or if you're watching football, the number of times that a commercial gets repeated. It's to remind you that, hey, this is out there. But then there are also so many things in life that are just in front of us every day calling for our attention and allegiance yet amidst these endless demands paul provides a clear and compelling directive in his letter to the galatians walk by the spirit walk by the spirit what does this truly mean and how does it transform our daily lives We'll go into greater detail here in a bit, but I want to set the framework for where we're going today and kind of give you some context of the verses that comes before verses 16 and 26 to 26 of chapter 5. And so, again, we'll be in Galatians chapter 5. You can turn there. If you have your Bibles with you, it'll also be up on the screen when we get ready to read here. But the broader context of Galatians 5 centers... Christian freedom. And Paul clarifies that this freedom isn't an opportunity for the flesh, but a call to serve one another in love. And you can find that in verse 13 of chapter 5. Now Paul addresses the Galatians behavior directly. Christ has set them free. You see that in verses 1 and 13, but they are not free to indulge the sinful nature or the flesh. Rather, they have been liberated to love. And verses 13 and 14 talks about that. And why is love so important? Well, love fulfills the law. But if they go the way of the flesh, they will destroy community. And how are believers supposed to love? Well, the Holy Spirit empowers love which fulfills the law. And when believers are led by the Spirit, they will not gratify the desires of the flesh, since the Spirit and the flesh oppose each other. Now to illustrate the two different life choices, Spirit life versus flesh life, Paul provides two contrasts. The works of the flesh in verses 19 to 21 of chapter 5, and the fruit of the Spirit... ...in verses 22 to 23 of chapter 5. And that's our scripture context for today. That is where we're headed. But even before we start going through this in depth... ...I need to give you some initial instructions. I need to lay some additional groundwork for what Paul is thinking here. Because if I just go through and define the words and phrases... ...and explain how to quote-unquote be the perfect Christian, and we're not. If I go through these things and tell you how to exhibit all of these things, all you will hear is that at the root, you're really a bad, proud, and self-sufficient person, but the Bible says you need to be more loving and more kind. See, often in our human response, when we hear things that we need to work on or things come to light and we're like, I need to improve in that area, we figure out a way to train ourselves to actually be, in this case, more loving, more kind and patient, and so on and so forth, thereby making ourselves feel morally self-sufficient. And you'll start to check them off like, oh, I'm good in that one. I'm good in that one. I'm not like this person. I don't do what he or she does. I'm bad on that one, etc. But it's not as bad. And it will instantly turn into legalism, which is the very thing that Paul is addressing to the Galatians. So I don't want you to hear do better, be better, live better, because that's never the message of the gospel. The gospel is never try harder and God will be pleased with you, nor is it just tighten your spiritual belt, so to speak. Rather, the gospel is, look to Jesus and His ability to save and sustain and sanctify you and ultimately produce fruit in you and through you. So my goal this morning is not for you to leave here with action steps, even though I'll give you some. I'm not, I don't want you to leave here with action steps of how to be a better person or how to cultivate change in your life. I want you to leave here with an action step of a heart that surrendered, surrendered to the one who can change your life. See, Paul desires in Galatians is not that you learn some new manners. It's that you'll be a new creation in Christ whereby you will plant the roots of your faith in the soil of the gospel, and then the Spirit will begin to bear fruit in you and through you. Amen? Amen. All right. Having established all of that, our first point for today is the battle between two natures, or the battle of two natures. And we'll be... In Galatians chapter 5 and we'll read verses 16 to 18. It says this so I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want but if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, God. I pray that as we continue to hear your words, Lord, may it come in and may we make amends and changes in our lives as needs be, God. But I pray that as this word goes forth, may it also go forth with grace, Lord. May they be your words and not mine. In your name I pray. Amen. So there's an old tale, and you probably have heard it, that speaks of an elder who tells his grandson about the war going on inside him. And there are two wolves, one representing evil, anger, envy, and greed, and the other representing good, things like joy, peace, and love. And so the grandson asks, which one wins? The elder replies, the one I feed And the application in that story for us is much like that tale. We have a war within us, the flesh and the spirit, and whichever we feed grows stronger. And in verse 16, Paul instructs his readers to walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. As we continue to go through these passages or these verses today, often I'll pause and I'll do something what I call Greek insights. And so I'm at the first one here. Let's walk through a little bit of Greek insight. The word walk comes from the Greek word peripateo. And this word implies habitual or daily conduct. It's also in the present tense, which suggests it should be a continual action that takes place in our lives. In essence, Paul is highlighting a daily conscious decision to live in alignment with the Spirit, thereby ensuring that the believer will not succumb to fleshly desires. Paul also uses this word peripateo. Elsewhere when speaking of living the new life in Christ, you can find a reference of that in Romans 6 4 and here he speaks about a life that is conducted by means of the spirit. And why is Paul using this kind of language? Well, Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul to the churches in the Roman province of Galatia and the main issue he addressed was the influence of Judaizers who thought that Gentile Christians needed to observe Jewish laws, especially circumcision, to be genuine followers of Christ. Basically, Paul is addressing legalism, and he writes to emphasize that justification is by faith in Christ alone. It's in faith. By Christ alone, church, and not by works of the law. All these structures that we can put in our lives, those things are good, but we're justified only by Christ. Outside of Him, we can do nothing. Think about it this way. And I tried for the hardest for this illustration to get like an old map of uh, the city of Edgewood. From online, But everything that I looked at was either like copyrighted and I didn't want to get in trouble. So uh, I want you to think about the city of Edgewood as we talk about this and consider the GPS that's available on your phone if you have one that's able to do that. Imagine trying to navigate a modern city like Edgewood with an outdated map while having access to a GPS that's constantly updated. Relying on the old map will lead to confusion and frustration. It just will. So Paul is telling the Galatians that the law, the old map, is not wrong. It's just outdated for our new life in the Spirit. And our spiritual GPS, the Holy Spirit, provides real-time guidance in our walk with Christ. Don't you want that type of real-time guidance in your life? Huh? Everyone tracking with me? Paul further exhorts his readers in verse 17 by saying, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Some Greek insight for you. The word desires comes from the Greek word epithumia, and it's a strong term often referring to coveting or lusting after something. And the way it's used in this verse, the one we just read underscores the intensity of the conflict between the spirit and the flesh. It's an ongoing, powerful struggle and not a minor disagreement. And the Apostle Paul doesn't sugarcoat the reality. He calls it as it is. And each of us, no matter how long we've been in the faith, faces an inner battle. This battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the desires of our flesh that often rears their heads, urging us to act contrary to God's desires, we're pulled in different directions this is not merely a battle of doing good versus doing bad it's deeper than that this is about your soul it's a battle between our old nature and the new creation that you have in Christ and these desires Paul warns are diametrically opposed to the spirit but there is hope and Paul's exhortation is to walk by the spirit walking by the spirit that is our beacon. It is as if we're at a crossroad every day with two clear paths. One is well-trodden, even familiar, but leads to spiritual stagnation. The other is illuminated by the Spirit and promises growth, though it might seem challenging because it will be challenging. Now, this journey with the Spirit is not merely about avoiding sin. But it's about embracing a fullness of life where we find joy, purpose, and true freedom in our relationship with the Lord. Church, it's a real tension. And Romans chapter 7 verses 15 to 20 offers a candid insight into this struggle. Paul speaks of doing what he does not want to do and not doing what he wants. And it mirrors the tug of war between the sinful nature and the spirit. James 4.1 also speaks of the passions that wage war within us. Further emphasizing this internal battle. You know, earlier I mentioned that this is not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not what I'm talking about here. It's not about checking off a list, but about an internal heart posture. In John chapter 6, verses 6 to 3, Jesus said, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no avail. And this verse underscores that mere human effort, or the flesh, without the Spirit, is unprofitable in spiritual matters. We need the Spirit. Life spring I say we need the Spirit in our lives to be guiding us. Church, each of us has a story to write on the tablet of time. Day by day we add a chapter, a verse, a line. When the plot thickens and the struggle deepens, are you a person who walks in the light and lives by the truth and practices integrity deep in your roots or do you find yourself feeding the desires of the flesh? My prayer and heart for you is that you Desire, pursue, and walk by the Spirit daily. So keep in step with the Spirit to real time GPS for our lives. Real time GPS. Our second point this morning is this the manifestation of our choices. Fruit versus Acts, verses 19 to 23. Let's read. He says the acts of the flesh are obvious spiritual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Paul does not leave us guessing. Paul does not leave us guessing about what the conflicts look like in real life. In verses 19 to 23, he provides two lists that starkly contrast the outcomes of our choices. The list Paul provides isn't exhaustive, but representative. And they're manifestations of life centered on self-gratification and self-interest. And such acts often lead to strife, broken relationships, and internal unrest. When we yield to the flesh, we see acts like sexual immorality idolatry dissensions and envy and these are not just isolated actions but they reflect the pattern of living that emerges when we are dominated by our sinful nature within contrastingly though when we yield to the spirit there is fruit and notice it's not fruits it's just fruit it is a singular entity with many facets love joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control and the reason it's represented in this way is because it is the holistic character of Christ manifesting in us Jesus said in John 15:5 I am the vine you are the branches if you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing Fruit of the spirit is not about striving in our own strength but it's about abiding in him. And these aren't produced by human effort, rather they are a natural outgrowth of a spirit-led life. And they are the evident outcomes of someone who's walking by the spirit. Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 verses 16 to 20 speaks about recognizing a tree by its fruit. Just as good trees bear good fruit and bad trees bear bad fruit, our actions, whether of the spirit or the flesh, the fruit we produce will reveal the true nature of our heart. What kind of fruit are you producing? What kind of fruit are you producing? Additionally, there are consequences of flesh-driven choices. Proverbs 14.12 and 16.25 state, There is a way that seems right to a man or woman, but its end is a way to death. This verse underscores the deceptive nature of fleshly desires in that they promise pleasure but deliver pain. Hebrews 11.25 also mentions the fleeting pleasures of sin hinting at the temporary satisfaction they provide. But the fruit of the spirit driven or spirit led life. Well, I said this earlier, but I think it's worth mentioning again. John fifteen, four and five illustrates the importance of abiding in Christ. Abiding him in him. Without this connection, fruit bearing is impossible. Well you'll bear a different kind of fruit. In 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 5 to 8 Peter list qualities similar to the fruit of the spirit that should be evident in a believer's life which further emphasize our role in effective and productive Christian living. The Lord will do his part, but we've got free will. We've got a choice in this. And every day this choice is set before us. Will I walk by the flesh or will I walk by the spirit? Will I choose life? Or will I choose death? I want you to think about that in terms of gardening. If you've spent any time maintaining a garden, you'll know that a garden left untended becomes overrun with weeds. On the other hand, a garden that's well tended and nurtured yields a bountiful harvest. The application for us is this. Our spiritual life is like a garden. And if we neglect or walk with God, the weeds, the works of the flesh, will overrun our lives. But if we cultivate our relationship with the Lord, the fruit being the fruit of the Spirit will grow and mature in our lives. If that illustration didn't work for you, well, I have another one. So... Think about it like training a puppy. Puppies are known for their playful and sometimes naughty behaviors. Chewing shoes, sofa, maybe a motorcycle. And, and that one is really personal to me. I had a <laughs> period of time where I, I had some roommates and they got some young puppies. And, oh, my gosh, they chewed up my motorcycle motorcycle seat not once but twice my helmet like three times. And so puppies are known for their playful and sometimes naughty behavior. But with consistent training and as they mature and guidance, they can grow into well-behaved dogs. Likewise, our fleshly desires can be like an unruly puppy, and we need the consistent guidance and training of the Holy Spirit to mature us in our Christian walk with the Lord. Which is why, for us today, it's important to understand that these evident outcomes, being the fruit we're bearing, serve as both a diagnostic tool and a directional compass for us. When we see more acts of the flesh than fruit of the Spirit in our lives, it's a call to examine ourselves, a call to introspection, a call to repentance, and a renewed dependency on the Spirit. Furthermore, the evident positive outcomes of the Spirit-filled life aren't just for edification, they have evangelistic implications too. As Jesus said in Matthew five sixteen, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to whom? Your Father who is in heaven. So how you're living affects the witness of your life individually, but also the capital C church. Church collectively and individually, we need to be aware of the fruit we're bearing last point for this morning, and I couldn't decide on which one, so you're actually going to get two, and you can decide which one you want to use. And so, point three, the call to crucify and live, or living the crucified life. I think in this moment, I like living the crucified life. So I'll go with that. You can go with the other one if you like. But Galatians 5:24 to 26, it says... Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. We'll be looking at each of these verses more closely here. I'm going to break these down. And so verse 24 says, Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh. Some Greek insight for you. Crucified comes from the Greek word estaurosan. And this word is in the aorist tense implying a past definitive act. And so therefore, this vivid imagery of crucifying the flesh that's used by Paul, it's not about self-infliction or mere denial. Rather, it's a profound symbol of identification with Jesus' death signifying a decisive break from the old sinful nature. It has happened already. He died on the cross. Let's stop nailing Jesus on the cross again, all right? You are a new creation in Him. New creation in Him. Verse 25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Greek insight for you, the word live, comes from the greek word zomen and keep in step comes from the greek word stoikomen and these words are both in the present tense indicating an ongoing or continual action friends life in the spirit is both a reality we live and a responsibility meaning we must align Ourselves and align our steps with the Word of God and His Spirit. This alignment implies a conscious effort to discern and follow the Spirit's guidance. The last verse we're looking at here, verse 26, says, Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. The behaviors Paul listed are indicative of a community in disunity, perhaps reflecting actual issues in the Galatian church at that time. But those issues can show up in our hearts and in our lives and in our congregation in the church today. So Paul ends with an application, a practical one at that, emphasizing humility and mutual respect in everything. Church, the call to crucify the flesh is a profound one. It's about surrendering every aspect of our being, every desire, every ambition to the Lordship of Christ. It means that every morning we rise with a commitment to die to ourselves and to lay our desires on the altar. Lay our desires on the altar. Think about laying down our desires in the act of doing so daily like a battery powered device. Like, think about your phone over time if the batteries aren't recharged or replaced I don't even know if they still do that I just aged myself there I guess but there you go there you go and so if the batteries aren't recharged the device will stop working the application for us is that likewise our spiritual life needs to be recharged by the Holy Spirit without His empowering Our ability to resist fleshly desires diminishes. Or think about a phone that's on airplane mode. I mean, and often when you catch a flight, they tell you to do this, but you can put your phone on airplane mode even now. And when a phone is on airplane mode, it can't receive calls or messages, and you don't have cell data. It's not that the networks aren't there. The phone is just not tuned into them. The application for us is that when we're not in tune with the Holy Spirit, we miss out on His guidance, conviction, and empowerment. Like a phone that needs to be taken off airplane mode to connect, we need to be intentional about tuning in to the Spirit daily. Tune in to the Spirit. So, when we rise with a commitment to die to ourselves and to lay our desires on the altar daily. This is not a somber act of defeat, but a joyful surrender to the one who loves us most. It's like a master sculptor chipping away at a block of marble to reveal a masterpiece. As we let go for our fleshly desires... God's image in us becomes more pronounced and more evident. And in this journey of surrender, remember, you're not walking alone, life spring. Those of you who are tuned in online, you're not walking alone. The Spirit is our guide and our strength ensuring that we don't just survive. Don't just try to survive this Christian life and be miserable. The Holy Spirit will cause you to thrive. Would you thrive in Him today? Thrive in Him today. I have one last story for you. And some of you may remember the name of Jeb McGrudder from the Watergate break-ins of the 1970s that tumbled the presidency of Richard Nixon. Jeb died in 2014. I believe there is a picture of him up there. But when he was alive, people often asked the one-time politician who later went to seminary, and became a pastor how could such a bright young good well educated person have gone so badly wrong and jeb would often reply something to this nature we simply lost our moral compass friends walking by the spirit is our compass to not fulfilling the desires of the flesh, as it keeps us morally tethered to what's right when we're greatly tempted to do wrong. Because people capable of great good are also capable of great harm when their hearts aren't surrendered to the Spirit and when they're not walking by the Spirit. This is why crucifying the flesh... Is to daily, moment by moment, surrender our desires or wills or very lives to Christ. Romans 12.1 reminds us, as Pastor Laura told us last week, to offer our bodies as living sacrifice, sacrifices. This is our spiritual act of worship. It's about acknowledging that we cannot fight the battle within in our own strength. Like that can only take you so far. But when you surrender... It comes with a promise. If we live by the Spirit, we can indeed walk in the Spirit. This is not a journey of perfection, but one of progression. Because you'll fail. You'll make mistakes. I make mistakes. But when you're walking with the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit convicts you of those behaviors, there's enough grace and mercy at the foot of the cross for that. Why risk it all? Keep walking by His Spirit daily. It's about growing and maturing and bearing more fruit as we keep in step with the Spirit. People who walk by the Spirit build lives that really matter. And there's rewards in this life and the next when we walk by the Spirit. Such people also build character over time. Character is not a sudden blaze of glory, one. Rather, it is the accumulation of days in which we make the decisions to walk by the Spirit rather than fulfilling acts of the flesh at this time i'd like to invite the worship team back up and before we close here i want to go through a list of things that i believe can help us in walking by the spirit and to live a crucified life first one is daily devotion Commit to starting each day with a moment of prayer or meditation, focusing specifically on asking the Holy Spirit to guide your actions and reactions throughout the day. Do a spiritual self check. At the end of each day, reflect on instances where you displayed the works of the flesh and moments where the fruit of the Spirit was evident. This kind of self examination and introspection fosters awareness. Limit triggers. Identify and limit or remove completely common triggers or environments where you find yourself more prone to indulge the desires of the flesh. For example, if social media stirs up envy or anger, consider taking breaks. Or on following certain pages or people or news networks, together completely or come off completely. Accountability partners. Pair up with a trusted individual within your church community or faith circles. Share your struggles in living by the Spirit and support one another, meeting regularly for encouragement. You can do this here, but I would also encourage you, join a life group. We have those coming here on the horizon. Join the next level classes. Pair up with somebody and invite them out for coffee. Encourage them in moments like these. Memorization And I think someone is actually starting a group Where we memorize scripture But commit to memorizing scripture And memorize Galatians 5 22 and 23 So that it's at the forefront of your mind Guiding your actions And reactions Thy word have I hid in my heart That I might not sin against thee Engage in service Actively seek opportunities To serve others In your community, church, or even globally. Serving often puts us in a position to practice love, kindness, gentleness, and humility. Like, have you ever served with someone else on a team? Like, have you ever served with me on a team? You know, it teaches you humility. Go on a missions trip. It teaches you humility. Serve in your local community. It teaches you humility educate yourself attend Bible studies or read resources focused on the Holy Spirit's role in the believer's life to deepen your understanding and relationship with the Spirit become a self-feeder coming here on a Sunday morning is great but don't let this be the only way you receive the word of the Lord feed yourself throughout the day feed yourself throughout the day I've mentioned this in the past. You can have a fridge full of food, but if you never go and get it from the fridge, you'll never feed yourself. You'll be hungry and you're like, man, I'm so hungry, but all the food is in the fridge. The food is in the Word of God. Self-feed yourself throughout the week. There are many great resources out there, but a selfish plug on my part. My wife has... An amazing, if I may say so, plan about the Holy Spirit on the Bible app. The same Bible app that's on your phone. Just look it up. It's called Holy Spirit from Creation to Companion. And if you go under plans and you look up Debbie Mendoza, you'll see that plan pull up in a few authors. Conflict resolution. In moments of disputes or disagreements, consciously choose to respond with the fruit of the Spirit rather than reacting from the flesh. This might mean taking a moment before responding, seeking mediation, or a godly third party, or even postponing a discussion until emotions have settled. Celebrate wins. Take time each week to acknowledge and celebrate the moments where you saw growth in living by the Spirit. This positive reinforcement helps build momentum in your spiritual life. Ten, seek counseling. If certain works of the flesh, like outbursts of anger, envy, or other deep-rooted struggles, continue to dominate your life, consider seeking counseling or therapy from a Christian perspective to address these areas. And then community engagement. Actively participate in the life of your church or small group surround yourself with community you don't need to do this walk alone i don't want you to do this walk alone we love you we want to walk alongside you you know as we come to the end here the thing about a message like this just even for my own life as i went through it i talked about that checklist earlier sometimes we can listen to something like this and we're like, well, I'm not doing X, Y, or Z, or I know what that person is doing and I'm not doing that. This is not a matter of ranking sin. It's a matter of walking by the spirit in your life. And what does that look like for you? Because whenever we tend to get self-righteous or haughty so to speak in our righteousness and oftentimes especially for someone like me who does this professionally i have to ensure well a professional christian i should say so to speak as that some people might call it i have to ensure that my heart is a heart of flesh last week when we had an altar call i came up and that was my prayer as like the things that we're walking through in this day and age, the things that we're walking people through, I do not want to become cynical. I want to be able to have compassion and be present and walk by the Spirit in those moments. Give me a heart of flesh, God. Proverbs sixteen eighteen and 19 says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed and to share plunder with the proud. And so I don't know where you're at in your relationship with the Lord. Now I'd also like to invite the prayer team up at this time, and maybe if we could have some of our pastors, Pastor Laura, my wife, and Pastor Joe, if you guys could come up here. This is between you and the Lord. Where are you? In your walk with Him. Where are you in your walk with Him? If you need someone to stand in prayer and stand in agreement with you, I would ask that you come forward for prayer. The worship team will go into a song here in a bit. But I want to be on my knees before the Lord and be Lord. I am only human, but I want to walk by your Spirit church, we got to stop using our Enneagrams, stop using our Meyer-Briggs test, stop using the different diagnosis and use it for an opportunity to gloss over spiritual immaturity and to treat someone else who's made in the image of Christ as less than. We need to stop walking the line and thinking we can do it because you walk the line with the things that are permissible and you will cross the line. We need to be like Paul who said, I was once a child, I thought like a child, I understood like a child, I spoke like a child, but I've turned away from those things when I became a man. We need to turn away from childless things in our lives. Move away from the milk of the word and step forward in the meat of the word. We need to be walking by the Spirit daily in our lives. Oh Lord, we need you in our lives, God. May we not think we can do this alone, Lord. The enemy is out to kill, kill, steal, and destroy Do not give him an inch in your life. Do not. And so, Lord, I pray, as my wife prayed this morning, that where the enemy might have wanted people to take offense by the word that has gone forth, may your grace be evermore in this moment. For those of us who need someone to stand and agree in a green prayer with us, may we come forward and lay it down before the foot of the cross. For those of you who are tuned in online, lay it down right where you are, in your car, in your bedroom, wherever you're seated as you're listening to this. Why not walk by the Spirit in a new way today? Do you want to build a life that really matters? And consider this this morning. What are the things you need to put off? What are the things you need to put on? After all, the materials you use does make a difference. This choice, the flesh of the Spirit, I mean the the flesh or the Spirit, it is set before us every single day. May we desire, may we endeavor be people who walk daily by the spirit and crucify the flesh and so I'd ask you to stand right where you are and if you know you need prayer if you know you need someone to agree with you on something or maybe you just need to lay it all down again and be like God continue to give me a heart that is soft for you continue to give me a heart that is sensitive to the real-time GPS of your Holy Spirit in my life. Because things have happened in my life, and I'm becoming calloused in certain areas. Would you make me new? Give me a heart of flesh again. Come forward if you need for prayer, and the worship team will go into a song here.